I'm Ben Thompson, owner of Thompson & Terry Recruitment. I'm Mike Foster, the entrepreneur's mentor. And you are listening to an edited version of Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike, uh, which airs every Sunday at 11am on DAB Digital Radio across Oxfordshire and online at getradio.co.uk. And our show introduces you to local trusted experts, whilst we also talk about topics that you, the listeners, tell us is impacting on local businesses and their owners. For copyright reasons, we cannot play the songs mentioned in the show. Uh, but for more info and business wrench related content, please do head over to getradio.co.uk. I definitely recommend it. Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. From startup to scaling to becoming a grown-up business, in this episode we welcomed Darren Aston of Aston & James, Mariana Morris of Fruto Studio and Tom Hanney of Hayford Bike Service and Repair to discuss the considerations for your business at the different life stages. What a great show. Um, this show really looked at a very grown-up business that, that is known by most in Oxfordshire, a scaling business and a new business. But I think what will be really kind of fascinating fascinating for, for the listeners will be to see what's applicable to all of our businesses. It's it's really the consistencies across the three businesses were, were absolutely fascinating. And as we always say, there will be something for everyone to learn. Get radio. Welcome back. This is Get Radio and this is the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Our first guest today is Tom Hanney of Hayford Bike Services. Welcome, Tom. Morning. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Thanks so much for, for joining us. Um, so, Tom, tell the listeners um, a little bit more about you um, and indeed your business. Yeah, hi. So, we, uh, I'm Tom Hanny. We set up Hayford Bike Service and Repair. So, we're based in, in Upper Hayford and we're a local bike repair shop with a cafe. Amazing. And um, so, I, I guess, tell the listeners uh, a little bit about, um, I guess, firstly, what, what does it feel like in the shop and, and who comes to you? Uh, we so it's great in the shop. It's a really nice, relaxed environment actually, and we we don't just have bike enthusiasts coming in. We've got we're quite central for the village as well, so we've got all of the all of the mums coming after the school run for their dose of caffeine, and we've got other people that just come in for a general chinwag, as well as people from various cycle groups and local just to come and have their bikes looked at, repaired, or looking to buy new. Amazing. And um, one of the things I think was widely reported that, that one of the good things that came out of COVID is everybody started riding the bike didn't they and it was um it became the popular thing to do um is is, is it still popular and and has that trend uh, i guess continued it has it took, i think it was a bit quieter over the summer because uh, as as the limits were lifted and everyone could escape for their beach holidays i think the entirety of the uk did um but no it is definitely seen an increase it's definitely more prevalent and it's it's obviously hitting local uh local economics and and, and parliament as well so it's it's definitely been a great thing for cycling, although not great in the grand scheme. No, absolutely. And um, um, what um, what is the process of buying a bike? Um, I always think since running this show, um, you should never ask very obvious questions. Um, and it may be an obvious question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What's the process of buying a bike for, from you guys? And, um, and and maybe for listeners listening that haven't been on a bike for many years, um, it is quite common. What yeah? What would be the kind of the process? What would the, be the approach you guys take? I, th I think the process starts well before us. You'll get people that are just browsing online or they'll see one go past and go, well, that's quite nice. <laughs> and then they'll just start thinking about it. But I, I think what people tend to do is they shop with their eyes uh, more 
uh, and, and their hearts more than anything. So the, the great thing for us and, and where we've got the coffee shop is that we, we would encourage people to come in and have a conversation with us and we'll sit down and, and have a chat with them and really understand what they want a bike for, whether it's sort of uh, adrenaline, so they want to go to bike parks and stuff like that, whether they're going to use it for communities of work or whether it's just to take the kids out. So we'll really drill into that and then we'll work out the best type of bike that's going to gonna suit them and then we can recommend something that's within budget for them. No, amazing. Um, I, I think it sounds fascinating that you've got a cafe and a bike shop. Um, I'm just interested to kind of explore with the listeners and um, the thought process behind that. And, and, and is that very unique to you guys? Um, I, I've started to see more and more people doing it uh, across the UK, not so much in Oxfordshire, but more across the UK. And, and the reason we did it is every time me and my friends went out for a bike ride, we're, we're always stopping for coffee, cake and and. and the occasional pub stop <laughs> go into that. Um, so, and, and I find that it is, it is a key element to, to cycling. It's a social thing. It's not just fitness. It's just mm. not commuting to work. It, it is social. It is, it's great for the mind, which is where we put the coffee shop in there as well, because it allows people to come in, relax, get a bit of freedom, bit of space. And it, it creates a nice environment where, you know, there's other people in there that are like-minded. So even if you're on your own, you can just come in and you're likely going to bump into someone who you can have, chat with mm, absolutely no love love the concept and and certainly i urge every listener um listening this morning to uh yeah come and have a coffee with you it's uh yeah it sounds like a great place um the most difficult question um that you're going to be asked all morning um based on past listeners is your song choice so what is your song choice and why have you picked it uh it's mr blue sky by electric orchestra and it's just because it it just makes me feel happy. It raises me and it's one tune I will listen to on repeat over and over again. Oxfordshire Station, Get Radio. This is the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Before that song, um, chosen by Tom, that hopefully still making him happy, as he uh, alluded to just a moment ago, we were talking about his business. And I recommend going over to Hayford. I went over to see Tom a few weeks ago and I was blown away by the development over there. But I'm delighted to welcome our second guest today, who's Mariana Morris from Fruto. Welcome, Mariana. Hi. Great to have you with us again. Mariana, you've uh, been with us before, so uh, you know our format. So I'm going to ask you to kick off, if you may, to tell us a little bit more about your business and uh, about you. Sure. Um, I'm Mariana Morris. I run a design consultancy that specializes in creating usable and accessible apps and websites. Uh, So we work with digital experiences and uh, work on creating digital products, systems, and platforms that actually meet user needs. Fantastic. And um, I know from conversations we've had, uh, I believe that user experience is a much undervalued consideration, mainly because people don't really understand what it is. So can you perhaps give us some examples of the sort of type of work that you do? Yeah, of course. Um, so we uh, work on uh, a different areas of uh, of the design of the systems. Uh, so one thing that people think of when they're thinking about user experience and digital products is the interface. So the actual screens and buttons and styles and branding of the products. But there is much more work that you had to put in into that to make it usable. So one of the areas that we do is actually run user research. So really involving users and uh, and people who are going to use that product in the process, run a series of tests uh, with with them uh, on on the product. So we put the product in front of them and uh, observe them 
uh, interacting with the product, and then we understand where the key pain points are, how to make it more usable, how to improve their, um, how, how to help them accomplish their tasks. So when I think when people are thinking about digital products or applications and websites, um, it's very uh, common to think about the, the, the tip of the iceberg, which is that how it looks. Uh, but it, it is important to, to actually create something that is accessible for everyone who's going to use it, uh, not only that team who is building it. And what, what type of customers do you work with then? Yeah, so we work with a variety of clients and, and sectors. Uh, there are a few sectors that come up very often to us, for, uh, to us, and I think it's because of our location in Oxford. Um, so healthcare, education, not prof- for profits are three areas uh, that that we work a lot a lot with. Um, and these uh, typically are products uh, that are pretty complex and to a, it, it's very like, specialist to a certain user group. So for example, we work with creating interfaces and experiences for medical imaging software that's going to be used by a clinician, you know, that has a patient, the real need there, it needs to be very accurate and usable and, and accessible in that environment. Um, at the same time, we work with um, websites that are for education or large platforms for, for schools and teachers that also need to be very accessible and, you know, that might be uh, assessing, uh, that might be related to students' qualifications and that assessing their their, their skills and or providing teachers with the, 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 the platform for them to uh, teach in a kind of digital new environment, which is a remote work and remote uh, teaching in schools, for example. Uh, so this kind of typically the, yeah, the types of projects that we, that we work, work, work with. Brilliant. Well, I know looking at your website, you've um, ha- wonderfully helped some spin-out companies from Oxford bring their uh, product to market in, in an effective way. And referring to your website, I was reading on one of your blogs on your website, which is technology is a wonderful enabler, but it shouldn't drive design. So perhaps you can tell the listeners a little bit about what that means. Yeah, of course. So one thing that we see often um, is the, the product being designed for the people who are building them and not involving the actual users in the process, involving, you know, empathizing with users enough. Um, So one problem with that is that the product might be too technical. It might have have quite a lot of friction in that. Uh, If you were thinking about users uh, who, 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 uh, are trying to accomplish a task. And if you, if you think about how the system was designed or developed, then very often there is a mismatch there. So if you think um, of, a, of an app or a website that you tried to accomplish a task, you, you went there for a reason and tried to, to, to do something with it, and you, you just couldn't, that's the problem with the design. It's not the problem with the users. Um, so for, because of that, it's really important that user needs and, and what they are trying to accomplish is uh, leading the design of that system and not what, is, what are the capabilities of the system. 
because these can be quite different. Fantastic. Well, I know, um, again, it's from our conversation, it's really important, I think, when businesses can to get you involved as soon as they, they can in that sort of discussion and thought process. And I know you're the go-to expert because you run uh, UX Oxford and you have done for a, a number of years. So if people need to engage and know a little bit more about UX in general, that's a great platform, I know. But just to find out a little bit more about Mariana, similar to the question we asked to Tom, what would be your song choice, Mariana, and why would you choose that song? Sure. So my song choice is called Slow Down by Jess G. And I chose this song because it reminds me of the time when I quit my job and started my company. Uh, and because at that time I stopped and I looked around and identified what was important to me before just deciding starting a company. So this song still reminds me to enjoy the journey, not to lose sight of what's important uh, in, in life. Um, and sometimes you do need to stop and look around. And you're here for a, for a marathon, not a sprint. So that's a, a, a song that has meaning to me and I, I would like to share. Discussing topics that impact local businesses and their owners. This is the Business Brunch Podcast, sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Welcome back. This is Get Radio and this is a business sprint with Ben and Mike. Um, our final guest today is Darren Aston of Aston and James. Welcome, Darren. Hi, Ben. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, so, Darren, um, start by telling the listeners who don't know you, um, who you are and all about Aston and James. Well, thank you. Um, so, yeah, Darren Aston of Aston and James, an office and workplace supplies business based in Whitney, um, established in 1990. Um, so in our 33rd year now, and and um, we've, we've sort of um, evolved from stationary and office equipment to more workplace supplies, solutions and services um, where other people choose to work. So helping them be um, uh, happy and uh, happy, healthy and productive in their work environment. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Um, I'm going to start by asking you a very difficult question, um, Darren, because I just love that phrase that you use about being happy and healthy in the kind of the working environment. So um, what does it take to be happy and healthy in the working environment? Um, and I appreciate it's not a one size fits all, is yeah. it? No, it's not. It's very much um, a, a fit, fit, fit for the individual, I suppose. And, and listening and observing from the environment that that individual or collective team work in. Um, it, for us, it's always, it's, you know, change is constant. So what is right yesterday and perhaps last year and 10 years ago is very different to today, tomorrow, and potentially in the future. But um, understanding what the changes might be required to um, in, in, in improve, um, um, enhance, evolve that kind of working, uh, that working space. And, and that could be anything from the kit that you use to, to the, the noise around you, to um, the products that you have available to you. Um, and we've all had a, a different experience of that through pre-pandemic, through the pandemic and now post-pandemic. So yeah, I think that's the, that's the thing that is different for everyone, but ultimately looking around wants, needs and understanding those wants and needs and in communication if it's to a line manager or another person or office manager or facilities manager um, or, or just standing in the mirror and saying, I need to change something. Um, because you might be working solo. Absolutely, absolutely. Certainly, uh, when I was fortunate to, to visit your showroom and get my bouncy ball, um, <laughs> I told you I'd mention that and my stand-up desk and and my different chair. It is it is amazing how how a few hundred pounds can can make such a difference to, to the world of work, isn't it? Can can you talk um, a little bit um, to the listeners? So I think the common denominator with most of our listeners is is that most of us spend a certain amount of time at a desk. Can you yeah. kind of talk to the listeners a little bit about um, some of those options that you can have for 
people who sit at a desk in terms of kind of making their working day either healthy, healthier or more enjoyable? Yeah, there's, there's now an array of different products available through ourselves and other providers, but um, we, we have got um, more um, supplies and involvement, uh, in, oh, sorry, in innovative kind of products coming through, such as um, sit-stand desks that have been around for a little while now, but they're, they're now available across a number of different providers rather than just one or two within mm-hmm. our sector. Um, having the, the switch between, or transition is probably the key phrase, between sitting and standing throughout the day and incorporating more movement, you, you ultimately can do that if you've got mm-hmm. a, a static desk and a chair that might move and you may have a bit of mobility in the chair and a bit of give. But I think the chair is where it probably starts for most people because that's our default mode. We sit to eat, mm-hmm. we sit to work, we sit to travel, we sit to watch TV. I think we pretty much sit for a good chunk of the day. And it's an interesting exercise for us all to go away and think, how many, how many hours a day do I actually sit? Um, so actually then flipping it to the stand mode, I think sometimes we've seen extremes of people going to the, the stand mode and that's it. And then the back's hurt and your legs get tired. You, you feel a bit of afternoon fatigue. So it is important to have that transition mm-hmm. almost almost like an hourly basis where you flip from one, one to the other. Um, and getting that right and balance is, is key to feeling a little bit more um, energy come three o'clock in the afternoon. Other Absolutely. products such as anti-fatigue mats can help with that that fatigue in your legs. I know I struggle with standing in one place, potentially at an event where you're not moving very much and your knees start to lock up, your back starts to get tired and really you've got very heavy feet by an hour or two into a particular standing session of doing something. So the anti-fatigue mats go nicely with the sort of sit-stand um, desk options and then just really having the right size monitors, the right, um, the right height to work at, doing the sort of DSC online if you've got somebody that can do it for you. We can offer to do it, plug. Um, um, but um, yeah, it's essentially looking at that um, those products. And your bouncy ball is a new innovative product that came to market this year. You you were one of the first to buy it. The calendar boy of bouncy balls. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, lighting and other things. You can have backlights, side lights. Obviously, lighting plays a massive part on mood and energy, um, and obviously eye fatigue as well. Um, so really, having too much glare and, and light from different angles of the room can play a massive part in how you feel throughout your working day, and it can really affect what you want to do after work. We all we all say we'll go to the gym we'll do this we'll do that but sometimes you just feel absolutely flat flat on your back or flat on your feet or you know you haven't really um moved enough therefore that energy enthusiasm endorphins don't get released to um really help you kind of move into your next phase of whatever the day uh that you'll, you'll, you'll be faced with no absolutely absolutely no really really good insight and we will talk more about your um about your business um, and about your background in, in the round table but before that um as with um tom and mariana um it would just be good to learn about the most difficult question um your song choice and indeed why did you pick it yeah this was an, this was an interesting one um i i've gone with hold my hand by jess glynn i think that's how you pronounce her surname forgive me if i've pronoun- pronunciated that or said that wrong but the reason is it's a very catchy tune and uh, the words um, that particularly stand out for me are I'm, I'm ready for this whether this is a holiday um or taking something on new at home with the family a general challenge or something with the team at work we all sometimes need to hold someone's hand in whatever we do next the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Get radio. Today we're talking about the business journey and how different experiences come through the different life stages, whether you're at startup, scale up, or as a grown-up business. 
Thank you, Mike. Uh, really looking forward to um, this week. Um, for this part of the show, we welcome back our three guests for a roundtable discussion. Um, if you are just tuning in, we have um, Tom Hanny of Hayford Bike Services. We have Mariana Morris of Fruto and we have Darren Aston of Aston and James. Um, to kick off the discussion, um, Tom, I'm going to bring you back in. Um, you've been waiting patiently. Um, let's let's start with a big question for you. What has been, I guess, kind of the good, the bad and the ugly um, of starting up starting up your own business? Good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, that's an interesting question. Uh, the good is the, the the fact that you're finally stepping out and and following your dream and your passion, and the excitement that comes with that is is second to none. Um, the ugly side of it, and we'll come back to the good. The ugly side of it is is getting your head around it everything that you think is could be quite simple and you're going to set it up and then all it's like a can of worms everything that you suddenly go hang on a minute i've got to do this i've got to do this i've got to do this and 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 trying to understand and get your head around absolutely everything you need to set up um and then the the bad the the bit that i probably struggled most with and and I don't know whether everyone else has experienced it as well, is you you have this grand business plan, you have these grand aspirations, and then you get sucked into the weeds and you can't see the wood for the trees and you end up just focusing on the little bits of the business and not and you you, you lose sight of the bigger picture. And I, and I think that's that for me is the good, the bad and the ugly. Nice, nice way to kick off the round table. So Mariana, if I bring that over to yourself then in terms of, do you want to extend on that being a bit further down the, the road in terms of now scaling your business fairly successfully? You know, is there something that's good that's you know turned into ugly or something that's ugly that's turned into good? Tell us a little bit more about your experience. Yeah, good question. I'm very happy that uh, Tom went before me. So I already had some time to think. Um, so I think it's kind of not very different from what Tom was saying, actually. Um, so in terms of the good is, you know, the flexibility that you've got, you're running your business and you, you can set up the rules, uh, regardless of what stage you're in, at least up to now. Uh, so we've been running the business for five years uh, and growing the team as well to a team of, uh, we have a team of nine at the moment. Uh, so it's been growing quite organically and quite in a nice space for me. Um, the, the ugly is the elements that as a business owner, uh, you have multiple hats. And then it means that sometimes you want to do better at, you know, at something, but you actually you don't have enough time for everything. So you need to, to just have enough to, you know, to, to have all the plates spinning and you're thinking, okay, this area here could be much better, but yeah, it's good, but we're just going and, and doing this other thing here because it needs for, you know, more attention at that time. Um, and I think the, the bad uh, for me is the ups and downs in terms of, at least for our, for us, that we are an agency, the ups and downs of, uh, of workload. Uh, so we are constantly trying to improve so we have a, a, a more kind of, you know, nice amount of work. So as an agency, we are too busy. Oh, we have a bit of time now, but you have too much time now and we're too busy again. And we get into this kind of fluctuation of, of work. So I, I don't know if it has, it, it is the same as when I started up like, you know, five years ago. I think it's better, all of these elements, because then we, we actually uh, understand or, or, or at least you are more comfortable with the uncomfortable. I think that's what I'm feeling. <laughs> so like, I, I know the ups and downs, but I look back 
and it was okay. So it, you know, should be okay again. Fingers crossed. Let's let's keep going. Um, so I think that's for for me. That was the the difference uh, based when when I start the job. Absolutely. So certainly, I think. Um, You've both made some really, really interesting points there. I think as business owners, we we can all resonate um, with, with certainly. Um, Darren, just bringing the conversation um, onto, onto yourself, I, I, I think we're, we're having a conversation actually in our office um, a couple of weeks ago when Craig um, dropped in that Asin and James have really summed up the world of office in Oxfordshire. Like we, um, Carl was in the conversation and and when you think office supplies, there is, is there anyone else in Oxfordshire? Like, um, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. You just really, I guess from an outside point of view, very much seem like that modern, I, I guess that model business as such. But, um, but I guess behind the closed, closed doors of Aston and James, what is the, I guess the good, um, which I've touched on and, and indeed the bad and the ugly? Yeah, I can relate to exactly what Tom, Thomas and, and Marianne has said in that, you know, it's it can be quite daunting, um, you know, doing anything for the first time, starting up or taking on a new uh, project or try, trying or challenging yourself with something different. It's a bit sort of a, you know, scary unknown. But I guess where we are in, our, I suppose, our state of existence is we've had a bit of time. We've had sort of 32 years. I've been in the business 25. It was previously owned by my brother. I've learned from him. I've learned the good, the bad, the different in in, in his shadow, in his kind of, um, in, in, my, in my upbringing, if you like. I was a sort of a young apprentice coming in at 18. Um, now I wouldn't say that I've got it absolutely licked or anything by, by that, that imagination whatsoever. And when we try and do, you know, try and do good things, try and do um, challenge ourselves with um, different ideas. I mean, the, the entrepreneurial spirit of a business owner. Now I've, I've been one for 10 years. It's like, it doesn't stop. You know, you, you, you have a constant kind of, in, it's in, innovate or evaporate. But what we have had is a bit of time to reflect on things that we've done, that we've learned from, we've failed, we've tried again, or we've gone gone back a couple of steps and said, let's, let's perhaps not go down that, 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 that road. Let's go, go on to this. And, you know, it's not trying to turn your head to anything shiny, but just sort of make sure we're in alignment with our marketplace we understand the marketplace as Marianne was saying with with her her, her business is that really understanding the end user and understanding the wants and needs um, for them and just asking more questions because that's the only way that curiosity really can ultimately grow you as a person you know why you why why do you do that why do you do this and then really coming into a kind of I suppose an, an evaluation piece that says have we done enough there to be able to move forward and at least, at least learn as we go, which is a constant thing within within any business at any age. You, you've just got to fail fast and 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 learn quickly and and try to evolve what you do. Brilliant. Yeah, great question you asked there, Ben, to to kick off that in terms of the good, bad, and the ugly. Uh, great great place to position it. Tom, we worked together before and I know when we worked together previously, you had this passion about biking. You always told us the stories about um, your mountain biking particularly. Um, but I guess, you know, you talked about you know, the good being stepping out and I guess the challenge of any business like yours, you set the business up, you've made the investment into the shop, et cetera. Uh, it's now about lead generation. So, you know, what have you learned from generating leads in your marketing as a startup that uh, you could share with with other listeners it's it's key and i think the 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 bit that stands out most with marketing for me is consistency is it's very it is very obvious very quickly and then and as darren said fail fast learn quickly is if you're not 
consistent with your marketing and, and if you get too busy with workload and you forget to do marketing for a couple of weeks you can almost immediately see the dip in your workload in a couple of weeks times because it's tapering off so having so having consistent marketing going out on a regular basis across all of the platforms and being absolutely ruthless with that is, is probably one of the biggest lessons around marketing that we learn very very quickly um, and that's actually where we're now starting to really try and push and develop uh, our budget moving forward so that we can we can better that still. Uh, really, yeah, really good insight. Um, Mariana, I, a question for, for you, and, and hopefully it's not a too difficult question, but, but I think one of the things that you that we all see quite, quite commonly um, is that recruiters struggle to recruit um, business coaches struggle to coach themselves um, I bet Darren's got a horrible office pen in his office um, joke <laughs> no. um, but but in terms of um, in terms of um, your your own work um, obviously you're 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 creating really great um, user experiences on the websites of your clients and um, how 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 do you um, I guess take a step back and and work on Fruto's marketing and um and, and I think going back to the kind of the point that Tom was making there in terms of ensuring that you're kind of staying ahead how 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 do you do that for your own business? Yeah, so we with the website and the branding, we did do the proper process. So we're pretty pleased with that. So meaning that you know we we run a, a branding strategy workshop. We define the brand. Uh, pretty pretty well at the start, but also we revisited earlier this year. Um, with the website, we went through a process of customer interviews, of you know prototyping, testing what the messages we're giving out and who we want to attract. So very pleased with those two points. But <laughs> let's be honest here. In terms of marketing, it's quite a, an area that it's it's a bit. Uh, we don't have a, a good flow in, in, in place yet. Um, so we're not talking, you know, about kind of that constant, you know, market, market, uh, marketing activities. I completely agree with that. Um, we, we are kind of getting there, but we're growing, means, meaning that we don't have one person who is looking after it. So it's a bit of me, a bit of other people and kind of getting freelancers here and there. Um, so for, for us, um, that's the area that we're kind of constantly uh, improving. So being more present on social media, for example, okay, there is a, okay, I've got a freelancer to look after that. So it's kind of just a minimum that we can, we can do at the moment and really working out what is the, what is the marketing activities that's going to bring the, the, the biggest return for us. Um, and then on the other areas, you might need to just be, you know, okay there, but we're putting our efforts in into these other areas. And one of the areas for us is is outreach uh, in terms of actually contacting um, brands and companies that we we think we have we can add value to them in a way that is you know is the is the kind of we've worked in similar sectors or we we've worked with. Uh, types of products that I, we know that they are working with and we're thinking that we have a lot of knowledge to, to share and, and, and add value to those uh, clients. So this is the, is the area for us that, that brings the biggest return, to be honest. And, but the other area, social media, we, we need to be just kind of warm in there. Um, that's how I see it. But yeah. 
So, I love it. And uh, I'm going to bring that on to yourself then, Darren, in terms of obviously, uh, I think it'd be really interesting from a listener's perspective when we carry on talking about lead generation. Um, you know, you've you've scaled your business, you've grown your business. You're at a point now where you your revenue generation, your lead generation has to be consistent to generate the levels that you're, you're generating as a multi-million pound business. So you said time earlier, 33 years uh, there. What have you learned from your marketing then that you can share with the listeners that a grown-up business sees to help them? Yeah, through, through the, I suppose, years of experience, and I suppose we're relating it to the most, most recent um, challenges for lots of businesses, is it's the... Um, the investment or the non-investment in your marketing, given you know the times we're in, I think is it a risk to do something um, and and not you know you have to really calculate your risk. So is it a bigger risk not to do it and potentially lose audience and traction and interest, or is it um, a big risk that we haven't probably thought about and we waste a lot of money on something and, and chase down some some opportunities and some um, um, uh, areas of interest that we feel the business is going towards going towards because of the alternative futures that we're playing out we, we don't have any recurring revenue with um, business in terms of contracts so nobody signs anything with us it's all about good service um, but per performance uh, customer experience um, and um, really just our our attitude our energy and our enthusiasm with that customer and we try and you know, obviously ultimately portray that in anything and everything we do from our drivers to our customer service team to the marketing that we we send out. And, and one thing that I've learned um, similarly to Mariana's experience is if, 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 you ha- if you don't have the right people to help you along with your marketing and be, and like, as uh, Tom said, consistency. Um, I did it. I dabbled with it through COVID on my own. I didn't have an appointed marketing manager. We had a marketing manager in our best years prior to COVID and we had to sort of cut our cloth accordingly through a challenging period where there wasn't that reoccurring revenue but actually it was just important to be visible um, and 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 however we make ourselves visible through communication through networking through um being being out there being active on the phone on in person on radio um is it's just ultimately picking your audience and making sure that that's in tune and on the right channel with what what people want to want to hear Amazing. No, really good points. Um, thank you to the three of you for your thought so far. We'll continue the conversation after this. This is the Business Brunch Podcast from Get Radio. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Um, before that song, uh, we're speaking with our three guests really about um, the different um, the different stages of business from, from startup um, to scale up um, to, to that established business. Um, Tom, I'm going to bring the conversation um, back, back to you really. Um, one of the things that I think um, we all strive for in strive for in business, um, and, and normally comes with time, is is having fans. Um, so, so almost like to use a football analogy, people that are are chanting about our businesses. Um, and, and, and it seems um, from, from your introduction that that you're already starting to get that. You're starting to get the the local mums coming in for for their coffee, the bike clubs coming coming to see you. What what has kind of been that process for you so far in terms of, I guess, kind of getting fans and fr- and friends of your firm. I think it, it goes it goes actually back to what Darren was saying from the marketing point of view in providing good service and so making sure the coffee that's being delivered is good, making sure you're greeting people as they're coming through the door, mm. uh, you're welcoming and you're not standing in the corner going, oh, why are all these people in my shop? I really just want to get on with this bike. It's, it's taking the time to acknowledge them, have a conversation with them mm. and, and just being there so that it is that social hub that people can come to. And it's, it's not, 
it's it and it just then spreads word of mouth because it's a nice environment for people to come into it it's not like uh, you're standing on there going come on have a free coffee on us if you just shout about us we we're trying not to do that it's trying to be organic and genuine actually i think the genuine is probably the key word in all of that is if you're genuine and and nice and friendly then people will talk about it that's it and mariana in your um when you were talking about the good, bad and the ugly, you talked about various different hats and spinning different plates, et cetera. So being a scale-up business now and that sort of journey that you've experienced, which one of those areas in all those plates that you've got do you think that you've learned most just by running your own business that perhaps when you started the business you didn't really know a lot about, but the experience and the journey that you've had as running a business has been the one that you thought that's really helped me just to be an entrepreneur, to be a business owner, to, to improve that part of the business? Yeah, Um yeah, I think the, the area that I learned the most is managing finance, uh, to be honest. And there is still lots that I need to learn. <laughs> but I think um, as, as before, I was already a manager at a company. So all the kind of teamwork and managing a team, that came quite naturally to me because I'm, especially being a designer, naturally quite empathetic. But like in terms of the, the finance element, was it the thing that when I started, I didn't even know where to start. I didn't even know how to, you know, pay myself a salary or how, you know, how to, how can I take money out of the business? What, how to manage that cash flow and, and so on. So I had to read a lot about it to really understand what works best for me. So kind of every book creates, you know, shows like a, a framework that is, is, useful for, for that author, and then you come, come, up, come and, and, and create your own framework. Um, so, you know, one, one book that helped me a lot was, it's called uh, Profit First. So uh, one of the elements that I took out from that book was uh, the different envelopes that you, how, how to manage your, 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 your cash uh, based on different envelopes. So you get the revenue, it goes to one envelope, and then uh, you, you, you take a fraction of that, put in the tax envelope and put, take a fraction of that, put into profit or salaries. And that is one thing that helped me a lot because at any point I look at the, the, the bank account of the, the business and I know where we're at without even looking at spreadsheets and, and things. So I think finance is, is an area that I, I learned a lot and I'm learning every day uh, because as we, the business grow, there, there, be, there are different challenges and different levels of details that you need to go into uh, with, with finance. Um, yeah, that's my, the, the biggest, yeah, learning for me, I think. Amazing, amazing. No, really, really good, honest insight. And I really appreciate that. Um, Darren, a, a similar-ish question question for you. Um, you've you've built um, a larger team um, o- o- over the years. I'm just kind of quite interested to share with the listeners um, how how you've decided where to scale the business. Um, so um, whether you employ an account manager or a finance person or a HR person or a marketing person, and just kind of that thought process in terms of over the years, how I guess how your team has grown and, and, and how you've I guess decided where to put those heads. Yeah, um, we've got a we've got a good team. I'm very blessed that I actually took on a good team when I acquired the business, and actually quite a lot of those people that um, when I bought the business from my older brother, having got to know them um, almost as a colleague now, a 
sort of boss leader of the business. It's mm-hmm. a little bit of a transition and a different headspace to move from and to. So I had an understanding of the sort of key people, everyone's equal in terms of ability to contribute, but there were certainly going to be some senior people that needed to help myself in and delegating middle management because, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of, as much as I'm available to everyone and um, kind of everyone always just reporting into you because as Tom, Tom, Tom referred to earlier, it's like, you know, you're down in the weeds and you're not actually able to get on and, and, and really push the business forward as, as is always the intention. Um, but yeah, we've been fortunate that we've built some structure into the team and made decisions around, um, moving into say work where we needed someone to champion that therefore that was a sales role that enabled us to appoint from within um somebody to take that forward similarly with furniture furniture is a major part of the business we have massive we've got big plans for furniture and they continue continues to help us um fill in perhaps some voids where office and station supplies may not have been there but now we're moving into more office environment work where um, PPE, looking after the person, looking after the the building. Um, we've we've taken on additional delivery drivers and and, and inst- installers on the basis of that being able to grow. So we've been able to naturally feed another position that's required created a demand. Um, mm. and, and there's only so many hours in the day. As much as um, you know, um, 24 hours is 24 hours. We don't work for 24 hours. Um, we 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 were obviously burning a, burning a candle up to a point where you you, you run out of um, run out of burn and run out of steam. So we've had to do things um, gradually and, 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 you know, speculate to accumulate and develop a plan that enables us then to appoint additional people. Um, for example, recently we took on an account manager for education. That wasn't an area that we had dedicated resource to, but it represents 10% of our business. So naturally we need to spend more time on that as we feel that's a really good um, um, area to be supporting locally um, and potentially even further afield, but certainly on the doorstep where, where we feel we offer our best service. Fantastic. Well, we're, we're coming towards the end of our show and there's so many different areas that we could have covered today. Um, and thank you so much to the guests so far. But I think to try and capture the last sort of thoughts in a, in a sentence or two, if we could do our usual, which is trying to get a top tip from you. So, Tom, what would be your top tip of your journey so far that you'd like to share with the listeners in a sentence or two? Keep your vision in mind. So have your vision, have it written down and keep it in mind. I know I lost sight of it for a period of time and it's taken it's taken some business coaching to to see it again but have, having your vision in front of you and making sure every action you do re- goes back to your vision and your purpose. That that is simple as that. Really great top tip there. Really great top tip. Um and Mariana, what's your top tip for the listeners? Um I think it's to get used to the fact that you never see the bottom of your list of your to-do list. So this is something that's for me took a while to feel comfortable with. So you leave the office and you have tons to do still. You just need to leave the office and enjoy life and then come back to it in another day. <laughs> for most of us, the list gets longer, doesn't it? Um, Darren, what's your, um, what's your top tip? Top tip, I had to really think about this one because there's a few things I've learned and I'd like to always share any learnings I can. But one that probably stands out for me is um, don't don't stand still. And in our world, you can't remain stationary, no pun intended. Um, uh, as Rocky once said, and I guess to me, always take inspiration from uh, characters in films, uh, keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. We all get knocks. It's how we take them, learn from them, be better from them. Um, and sometimes let someone hold your hand. You don't have to go it alone. And there's a great set of people out there, just like the people on, on the radio today. 
Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And what a way to end the show. And um, so thank you so much um, to our three guests for joining us on the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio today. Um, if you are just tuning in, I definitely recommend going to the Get Radio website and listening back. Um, we've had Tom Hanny of Hayford Bike Services. We've had Mariana Morris of Fruto and Darren Aston of Aston and James. Um, the three of you have provided such insight and really honest insight to our listeners, which, um, yeah, which has made a really, really great lesson. So thank you so much. 